are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I'm blessed to be able to worship you with on this Palm Sunday, and I'm very excited about next Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. At all of our entrances, there is a stack of these cards, and you can take some of them with you, and it might be a help to you when you talk to friends about coming to church with you next Sunday, the one Sunday of the year that people are the most likely to respond in a positive way to an invitation to church. And so I know that many of you have been praying and thinking and living in relationship with people that you hope to bring with you next Sunday. And so I'm praying for you and for me that those people will come. So you can take some of these with you when you go. Well, let me, let me share God's word with you today. I, uh, I realized something about myself. When somebody invites me to do something with them, say to go on a vacation or even a day trip or maybe a golf trip. When they ask me if I want to go, I realize that I don't really know in that moment if I want to go or not. And the reason I don't know if I want to go is because it has conditions, like who else is going? Or, um, you know, how much time are we going to spend? When am I going to get home? How many days are we talking about? And and I also always want to know, like, so what's it going to cost? How much money are we talking about to do this thing? And so I don't think that's odd or weird or unique. I think most of us just kind of think that way. If we're going to commit to something, we kind of want to know the cost, right? And some people would even do this. They would say, well, if I'm going to spend that much money and I'm going to spend that much time, I would rather go with some people that I would really like to spend time with. Not that I would ever say that, but some people might say something like that. So I think as I, as I realize that is true about us, there's something that seems kind of odd to me. And here's what it is. It seems odd to me that Jesus would say to us, follow me. But he expects us to follow him without any conditions. Well, how much is it going to cost? It's going to cost everything. Well, what, what kind of time are we talking about here? I'm talking about your whole life. I mean, who do I, who do I live with my arms open to? Anybody and Everybody. In fact, this is how Jesus says it. He says, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross, I mean, lays down their whole life to follow me, Jesus says, that person... That person does not deserve me. He's not worthy of me. And so what is going to happen today is that God's Word is going to help us understand these concepts. So we have been in John for all of these weeks through Lent, and now the Scripture reading takes us to Matthew. Okay, so grab a Bible. If you didn't bring your own or you don't have a device with it, just pick up one out of the pew rack in front of you. And to open it to Matthew chapter 21, okay? And when you get to Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to start reading with the, with the first verse. Matthew 21, verse 1. And this is the story 
as you will see, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with all of the pomp and circumstance that the people brought to him that day. So here we go. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a donkey there and with her coat by her. Now untie them and bring them to me. But if anyone says anything to you, just say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Now this took place, Matthew tells us, to fulfill what the prophet spoke. And he's talking about Zechariah here. Say to daughter Zion, see... Your king comes to you gentle or humble or lowly and riding on a donkey. On the colt, the foal of the donkey. And so that's what the disciples did. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now, this large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Now that may not have meaning to you, but it had meaning to them. Or, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And some shouted, Hosanna in the highest heaven. So I grew up with this awesome mom. And my mom would tell me when I was a little boy, Ricky... When you read the Bible, you've got to somehow get yourself there. She would say things like, you've got to walk the dusty road with Jesus. You've got to get the dirt between your toes where you're wearing your sandals. You've got to look over and see John and Peter and all the disciples walking with him. And so I thought maybe today we could kind of get into this and we could place ourselves there. So here's what we'll do. Um, those of you whose last names start with A to M, would you, um, would you say after me these words? Hosanna to the Son of David. Okay, and those of you who have M through R, would you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm hoping this is going to get better as we go along. And those of you who have uh, what comes after our S through Z, all the way to the Zalettas, would you guys say, uh, Hosanna in the highest heaven. So far, the R disease, I think, have won. So here's what we're going to do. When, when I say go, don't, not in unison, but just randomly, just shout it out. But really get into it and let's have some energy. And let's do it for about 10 seconds maybe, okay? So you're just going to be shouting those things. And as we shout those things and you kind of place yourself in the crowd and you hear what the crowd was hearing that day, try to imagine Jesus riding along on this donkey, okay? And you're looking to see him. Here we go. You guys are awesome. <laughs> we got to give it up to the teens. They were the best over here, okay? Can we clap for them? Very good job. Awesome. But that was the atmosphere that Jesus was in that day. That was kind of the electricity. And so, when all this is happening, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And you know what they ask? Who is this guy? And the crowds answered, It's Jesus. 
the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this is God's word for us today. When I lived in Cincinnati, the church there had this Easter pageant that they did every year. They would do it for 10 nights leading up to Easter. And uh, the place was full every night. And one of my favorite scenes was this scene. And so what we would do is uh, after intermission, the whole room kind of became a, uh, a stage. And there were about 200 participants in the play, and they would just all be out in the room. I mean, walking in between the aisles, and they're giving people grapes to eat. And there's music playing, and people are waving palm branches. And uh, they're giving them cheese, and they're giving them apples and bread. And they're acting like they're trying to sell them a chicken or maybe a little lamb that they're holding in their arms. There are all kinds of animals through the room, and kids are petting the animals. It was, it was a lot of fun, that scene was. And it lasted for about maybe 10 minutes. And people are just everywhere in the room. And finally, the music changes, and all of a sudden... Here comes Jesus down the center aisle riding this donkey. Now, we would say to people before intermission, when you come back into the room, um, there's going to be a donkey in the aisle. Please don't touch the donkey. The donkey is sensitive and sometimes develops an attitude. But for some reason, people wanted to touch the donkey. And so it just became a real issue. There were many close calls with that donkey. And, and so people kind of still wanted to pet it. And we would ask them not to, but they would anyway. And Finally, it got to where Jesus just had to put his kind of arms over the donkey and walk the donkey, and otherwise Jesus would get thrown off of the donkey again. And so we didn't want that to happen. The energy of the room, I think, is what they experienced that day in Jerusalem. It might be like this. How many of you have ever gone to a political rally of a presidential candidate? Raise your hand really high. You've ever gone to a political rally of a presidential candidate? Wow, a lot of you have gone to political rally. I didn't think that many would have. And so when you, when you go to something like that, I've been to one years ago. There was a band playing and there was confetti being blown up into the air. And the guy's up there and he's pumping his fist and everybody's clapping and yelling and people are chanting all kinds of things. And even after it settles down, they won't settle down. Everybody's excited. Now, I would never compare Jesus to a politician. But I think the crowd in Jerusalem that day and the crowd at a political rally have some things in common. Because that day in Jerusalem, they believe that this guy is going to make their lives better. Specifically, they believe he is going to get them out from under this heavy Roman rule. And the people at political rallies believe that guy or gal is going to make their lives better. Taxes are going to go down. Income is going to come up. The economy is going to rebound or whatever it is that's on their agenda. They believe this person has the ability to make their lives better. Real change is going to come. And I think that there are times when you and I see Jesus from the same perspective. As long as he comes through, (laughs) as long as he answers the prayers, right? I mean, as long as he, you know, I mean, if he is acting in a way that meets my expectations, which in turn becomes conditional, then I will follow him. But if he ceases to come through, then I must be forced to evaluate the value of that relationship. 
See, I'm convinced these people did not know what was going on. And the reason I'm convinced they did not know what was going on is because the same people who were yelling, Hosanna in the highest, are the same people five days later who yelled, Crucify Him! Because they no longer saw Him as a viable candidate to meet their expectations. You know what they did know? They did know that He was capable of taking a handful of food and feeding thousands with it. And that he could heal people who were sick. And that he could help people who were blind see again. And he would take people who had never walked in their life and make them stand up and walk. But according to John's gospel, what really brought the crowd in that day was the fact that all the people who had witnessed the healing of Lazarus, a man who was raised from the dead, they began to talk about it like crazy. And the more they talked about it, the more people showed up to see Jesus. And they began to believe that he could meet their expectations. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. I think that you and I are tempted like they were tempted. And what really sometimes appeals to us is conditional discipleship. When the wheels of life start to fall off, if He can put them back on, then I like the idea of Him being my Lord. Or, if He will give me the things that really mean a lot to me, the things that I really want, then I like the idea of following Him. But, when He stops coming through, I start struggling. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me as a pastor of a church, Pastor Rick, I don't even know some days why I am following him. I mean, if this is the way it's going to go, if this is what my life is going to look like, I mean, what is the advantage? Why would I keep on? See, here's what it really comes down to. As long as he does not ask too much of me, because I'm trying to create a comfortable life for myself. And I've got some ideas too. There's some things that I really want. And as long as His will does not get in the way of my will. Because I want to tell you today, that cross, that does not sound appealing. So I think the question is, what do, you, what, what do we do? What is, what, is, what is the implication of the text? What is it calling us to? Right? So let me tell you a little story. I remember years ago, I was with three of my closest friends. And, and we were going to play golf in another town. It was about noon. And we were driving through that little town. And on the outskirts of town, we were going to drive to the golf course. But as we drove through the town, we were laughing and we were talking. And we were telling some crazy stories and I was driving but I was not paying great attention to the idea of driving okay and so all of a sudden as we're driving along uh, I noticed that the traffic had gotten slow but I was too busy kind of looking over my shoulder and we were cutting up a lot and all of a sudden 
the car in front of me made a left turn, right turn rather, and, and standing in the middle of the street in front of me was a police officer and he was saluting. I, I could not go through him. And all of a sudden we realized that mistakenly, without paying attention, I had pulled into a funeral procession. I know, it's terrible. Nobody really laughs at this. They just look at you like, you're weird, man. You did a stupid thing. I know it was a stupid thing. I felt really bad about it. Here's a grieving family, and here we are laughing, cutting up, and we just pull right into the middle of this line of cars. Didn't even know what we were doing. None of us. Blair, you're laughing at me, but you're... So, so my friend Steve Hoskins, who was in the car with me, says, just turn right, turn in. And so I just followed the car in. And then there was an opportunity to turn off, and we did. But fortunately, the cars behind me did not follow me. They followed the actual funeral procession. Have you ever, have you ever thought you were doing one thing, but then realized you were actually doing something else? You ever got confused thinking that you were at something, but then you realized, wait a minute, I'm not at that. This is something else. You ever go like to the wrong wedding? Have you ever thought you were going somewhere, but then in reality you realized, I wasn't going there, I was going somewhere else. See, we thought we were going to a golf course, but in reality we were going to a graveside service. We thought we were on the way to play golf, but in reality we were in a funeral procession. You're smart people. You're probably a step ahead of me, aren't you? See, they didn't know where they were going. They thought they were at a parade for a soldier who was going to be victorious and set them free from Roman rule. But do you know where they really were? They were really in a funeral procession. And Jesus understands it. And maybe he's the only one who understood it. What he understood was that he was on the way to the cross. And in their minds, he is going to deliver us from Roman rule. And in Jesus' mind, I'm going to do a lot more for you than that. I am going to deliver you from the depths of evil. I mean, they're out there, and they are, they are taking off their cloaks. You know, you know how they dressed in those days? They had two garments, basically. One was like this garment closer to your body. It would be like this gown, really, for a guy. It might come to about here, just below your knee, and you might tie it with a little rope in the middle, and then you had another garment, which was called a cloak, and it came over you. You might pull it up over your head if you're cold at night. You might use it for a blanket at night. You know how many cloaks they owned? They owned one. A common person had one cloak. I wore a cloak and a tunic, that other gown that goes, in a play one time. It is hard to look tall and thin in a tunic and a cloak. It does nothing for the male figure. It was awful. I hated wearing that thing. And they take off this one garment that they own. They got one. And they lay it out on the ground for the donkey to walk on. Because they had seen it before. In 2 Kings, Jehu is anointed by a prophet of God as the king of Israel. There was one problem. Ahab was the king of Israel. 
But he was not a good king. And you know what people did? They took off their cloaks and they laid them down for Jehu to walk on. And then there was the the waving of the palm branches. They had waved palm branches for kings before. And there was the shouting, Blessed is the son of David. How more explicit can you be? They are saying, We want this guy to be the Messiah. We hope he is. We want him to be our king. Until we realized that this is actually a funeral procession. Do you still want that guy to be your king? Do you still want to follow him? Okay, so um, I think it's time to dream. Met a guy not long ago. Um, getting to know him a little bit. Was at a dinner the other night with him and some other folks, and somehow he brought up the name of uh, Dwight L. Moody, and we started remembering the story together about Moody. It's it's this deal where Moody um, is credited for saying something that he says I never said. It was actually another guy who said it. I just repeated it, and the guy who actually said it was a British revivalist. And he says to this young American evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, who had such a great impact on the world, he said, Moody, the world is yet to see what God will do through one man who is fully consecrated to him. And Moody said, those words changed my life. The world is yet to see what God will do with one man who is fully consecrated to him. And although I know what Varley meant and what Moody meant, I take a little bit of offense to the statement. And the reason I take offense to the statement is because we did see what God would do with one man who was fully consecrated to him. And his name is Jesus. Fully surrendered to the will of God. And look what happened. Can you imagine the world we live in without the influence and the footprint of Jesus? I mean, I see a footprint everywhere I turn. Every town that I drive into, every community, every small town, out in the country. You know what I see everywhere, all over this land and all the other lands I've traveled in around the world. I see steeples on churches with crosses on them that celebrate the difference that Jesus made in our world. And when I think about education, I think about schools like Harvard and Princeton. They were established by Christians who wanted to teach the Scriptures of Jesus. Why do you think all the hospitals in this country start with the name Saint? Saint Thomas and Saint Luke's and Saint Joseph's. Because they were started by people in the name of Jesus. Shelters in every city. In the name of Jesus. Everywhere you look, you see the influence of Jesus on this world because the world saw what God could do with one man who was fully consecrated to Him. Starting to sound like a preacher, right? Like up here yelling and stuff. Thank you. So what would he do through you? 
What could he do through me? Be that person. What are you going to do? Just live and die? Shop? Watch some television? I mean, how many cups of coffee can you drink? What else are you going to do with your life? Anybody else tired? Tired of the selfishness? Tired of being a slave to comfort? Tired of wanting what I want more than I want what God wants? When you get to the end, if the best thing you can say is, I did it my way, it's not a good way to go out. What if we lived like Jesus? With our arms open. But it's a path. It's a path that leads somewhere. And I think you know where it leads. To live with your arms open like Jesus did is a life of surrender. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a cross. Good news. The scripture teaches us that God has given us his Holy Spirit who gives us power over the life of selfishness. And selfishness does not have to reign in our lives or rule our lives. But God does this work in us by the power of his spirit as we consecrate ourselves to him and give our all to him and open our arms to others and to him and his will for our lives. And he sets us apart. And we don't easily flow with culture anymore. We go against the grain. And we live the Jesus way. So I think before we should go, we should... Before we go, we should, we should pray about that. Are you in agreement with me? So why don't, why don't you stand with me and, and let me just give you an invitation, okay? Here's the invitation. This is Palm Sunday. It's Holy Week. And so as we remember Jesus moving toward the cross this week, are you hearing me? As we, you and me, as we remember Jesus really well this week moving toward the cross, what if we move toward the cross personally? with him and so maybe this morning it's just a matter of saying okay Jesus here we go this holy week I'm walking with you toward that cross I'm walking with you toward surrender
You may want to pray about other things this morning. I prayed with a family this morning that is going through some really tough stuff. And if you need to pray about some tough stuff, you can come and pray about that too. And somebody may be saying this, Jesus that you talk about gets more and more attractive to me, and I would love to follow him, Rick. I would love to become a Jesus follower, a Christian. And this morning, you could be born again. This work that Jesus does in our lives of changing our hearts. So there'll be pastors here, and if you want those pastors to pray with you about anything, they would be happy to. If you want to come and pray, I encourage you, I encourage you, come and pray. Even if it's for somebody else that your heart is heavy for, feel free to pray.
arms open wide here you save my life here I would you lift that as a prayer here I here continue to allow these here that have come to pray to just be in this space to be in this time to come to the foot of the cross remember next week is Easter and as you live like this with your arms wide open sacrificially I can speak to this with true testimony we live like this God is going to bring people into your path so as he does Be ready. Bring them next week. Build relationship with them. Do you receive this blessing as you go? Father God, I lift these, my brothers and sisters, to you today. And ask God that as we leave these these doors today and as we walk out of this space, that we would walk out with our arms wide open, ready to live sacrificially, surrender to you. God, bring people into our path in whom we can connect with you and help them come become more like you as we strive to become more like you. We're thankful, God, for the way that you go before us. And we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in his peace. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.